skylight, for on one side of it was the shop, and on the other the larder, which opened into some dark subterranean place where the tripe was stored. Partly blocking the door of the larder there was a shapeless sofa, upon which Mrs. Brooker, our landlady, lay permanently ill, festooned in grimy blankets. She had a big, pale, yellow, anxious face. No one knew for certain what was the matter with her. I suspect that her only real trouble was overeating. In front of the fire there was almost always a line of damp washing, and in the middle of the room was the big kitchen table, at which the family and all the lodgers ate. I never saw this table completely uncovered, but I saw its various wrappings at different times. At the bottom... There was a layer of old newspapers stained by Worcester sauce, above that a sheet of sticky white oilcloth, above that a green serge cloth, above that a coarse linen cloth, never changed and seldom taken off. Generally the crumbs from breakfast were still on the table at supper. I used to get to know individual crumbs by sight and watch their progress up and down the table from day to day. The shop was a narrow, cold sort of room. On the outside of the window a few white letters, relics of ancient chocolate advertisements, were scattered like stars. Inside there was a slab upon which lay the great white folds of tripe, and the grey flocculent stuff known as black tripe, and the ghostly translucent feet of pigs ready-boiled. It was the ordinary tripe and pea shop, and not much else was stocked except bread, cigarettes, and tin stuff. Teas were advertised in the window, but if a customer demanded a cup of tea, he was usually put off with excuses. Mr. Brooker, though out of work for two years, was a miner by trade, but he and his wife had been keeping shops of various kinds as a sideline all their lives. At one time they had had a pub, but they had lost their license for allowing gambling on the premises. I doubt whether any of their businesses had ever paid. They were the kind of people who run a business chiefly in order to have something to grumble about. Mr. Brooker was a dark, small-boned, sour, Irish-looking man, and astonishingly dirty. I don't think I ever once saw his hands clean. As Mrs. Brooker was now an invalid, he prepared most of the food, and like all people with permanently dirty hands, he had a peculiarly intimate, lingering manner of handling things. If he gave you a slice of bread and butter, there was always a black thumbprint on it. Even in the early morning, when he descended into the mysterious den behind Mrs. Brooker's sofa and fished out the tripe, his hands were already black. I heard dreadful stories from the other lodgers about the place where the tripe was kept. Black beetles were said to swarm there. I do not know how often fresh consignments of tripe were ordered, but it was at long intervals, for Mrs. Brooker used to date events by it. Oh, let me see now. I've had in three lots of froze, frozen tripe, since that happened, etc., etc. We lodgers were never given tripe to eat. At the time I imagined that this was because tripe was too expensive. I have since thought that it was merely because we knew too much about it. The Brookers never ate tripe themselves, I noticed. The only permanent lodgers were the Scotch miner, Mr. Riley, 
two old-age pensioners and an unemployed man on the PAC named Joe. He was the kind of person who has no surname. The Scotch miner was a bore when you got to know him. Like so many unemployed men, he spent too much time reading newspapers, and if you did not head him off, he would discourse for hours about such things as the yellow peril, trunk murders, astrology, and the conflict between religion and science. The old-age pensioners had, as usual, been driven from their homes by the means test. They handed their weekly ten shillings over to the brookers, and in return got the kind of accommodation you would expect for ten shillings, that is, a bed in the attic, and meals chiefly of bread and butter. One of them was of superior type, and was dying of some malignant disease, cancer, I believe. He only got out of bed on the days when he went to draw his pension. The other called by everyone.